you're watching Stockwatch with me, Zinati Guma. Joining me to unpack your stock-related questions tonight are Roy Mutooni from Sunlam Investments and Shane Watkins from All Weather Capital. Please be sure to send those questions via SMS to 41392, email at stockwatch at bdtv.co.za or tweet us at businessdaytv using the hashtag stockwatch. Uh, thank you so much for your time, gents. As I was reading that intro, I felt a sneeze coming on. And I, I, I feel like that's actually been what markets have been doing. There's something that they're holding. They're not sneezing to take them on either direction. It's pretty mixed and undecided at this point. Shane, I want to start off with you. What are you making of the markets trading, I guess, in the past two days after we've had such a, gr a good month? So, Zanati, you know, unfortunately, there's a, an expression that South Africa goes to all, all of the funerals and none of the weddings. And if you take the U.S. market and the Nasdaq in particular, they're up nearly 50 percent for the year. So for investors in the United States, it's been an extraordinarily good year. But the JSE, uh, you know, except for the bounce in the last month, um, at some point it was actually down for the year. Yeah. So now maybe the market's up 5 percent, but it's been a pedestrian year for SA equity investors. And I guess that is driven by two things. I think, firstly, very poor economic fundamentals in South Africa. I mean, the economy is growing less than 1 percent. And the other factor is um, at the beginning of this year, we had a change to Regulation 28, which is the regulation governing pension funds. And that essentially allowed South African pension funds to take to take the offshore loans from 30 percent up to 45 percent. Mm. But in order to take that money offshore, they had to sell South African equities. So there's been meaningful, meaningful selling by large SA pension funds of South African equities, which has put pressure on prices. So, you know, in short, our market has had a very tough year, uh, driven partly by poor economics and partly by technical selling for Reg 28 reasons. Yeah. And I mean, just actually, as we're talking about all the challenges um, in the country that are, um, you know, impacting these companies, it was quite interesting to see uh, that four month voluntary update from Bidvest. Um, and I mean, this is considered a very, very defensive stock. Um, and and as, as, as much as on some level it's considered the bellwether for the South African economy, it's managed to outperform uh, the actual economy. But now uh, saying that the first four months of the FY24 year has been muted. And of course, we saw something that we are, are not used to seeing on that front with the share price plummeting um, by, was it about 10% at the end of the day, if I'm not mistaken? Um, yeah, uh, Roy, what are you making of, of this company, this huge art performer, um, and then all of a sudden just coming down like this? Is it just a thing of, you know, no one is immune to this kind of environment, but even then, maybe it's not something um, to fret about too much? So, so, yes, it was quite an interesting update considering all this. I mean, in the previous period, they grew by, was it like 20%? So they did incredibly well. And when you looked across the whole business, everything was firing. But you, you had an inkling at the very beginning um, when they announced their results, which was basically that um, gross margins were under pressure, but they'd done very well from an expense perspective um, to manage their earnings and to manage their businesses. But what was interesting was the businesses that did well, which is basically yeah. freight and services, those are the ones that um, they're defensive. They're not exactly SA Inc. They've got annuity revenue and they're related to commodity exports and food 
exports and imports. So those were solid ones. Just remember there's a huge component of this business that is actually consumer-oriented, that mm. is a trading business. And that's what we saw in this trading update. So effectively what they're saying is volumes are not growing. There's pricing pressure and there's cost pressures. So up until now, they've done very well. Um, but not no one no one can escape the environment that they're in. And that's probably what that update was. Um, whether we're talking about motor, whether we're talking about um, the other trading businesses like commercial and paper and everything. But masked within all that was a very strong performance by the international business and sustained acquisitive activity internationally. So that adds up really nicely. So yes, quite a difficult um, trading update, not entirely unexpected because of the big base, but I think there's also some good stuff there. I don't think this is time to throw this one to throw this one into into the garbage can. I think I, I think in, investing is a long-term game and not everyone can grow all the time. Yeah. Uh, Shane, on this front, I mean, do you think that uh, obviously they pointed out these pressure points, but overall the business still looks good? Do you think that this is maybe an overreaction uh, on the market um, or maybe mixed with uh, investors taking profits after such a great period for Bidvest? So Zanati, I guess the thing for Bidvest was the share was quite expensive relative to our market overall. Like let's say it was trading on you know, maybe a 13 or 14 PE, and there are plenty of pretty good South African shares trading on sub-10. So a company that is relatively expensive cannot afford to disappoint. Mm. You need to earn your premium. And I think in this instance, you know, Bidvest can't trade at such a significant premium if they're going to deliver the same pedestrian results that everyone else is. Mm. I don't think it's, um, I think it is a good company. I agree with Roy. I just think it's too expensive given the outcomes it's now delivering. Ah, all right. I hear you on that. You need to earn your premium. Uh, there's a very interesting question here. Uh, best high uh, ROE JSC shares uh, to hold for long-term compounding. Roy? <laughs> there's a whole bunch of those, particularly considering where share prices have gone. And I'll start with actually the one that was formerly in Bidvest, which is Bidcorp. Yeah. Quite high return on equity, quite low cost of capital. And more interesting is that they don't pay out a lot of their a lot of their earnings. They compound them. So the ROIC grows, generates returns, and those returns are reinvested in the business at relatively high rates. So that that to me is the simplest one, and you and and it's not particularly expensive. Richmond is another example. I think you've seen where the banks are going right now. The big diversified banks, exactly the same thing. ROE may not be too high, but um, it's at a good premium to the to the WAC, because that's what you want. You you want a premium to the WAC and the ability to reinvest, reinvest into the business at that marginal ROE or ROIC. So I think th those would be w where I am. Bit Bitcorp is the one that that, that particularly impresses me because it's a global business. It's not an SA Inc. business, and they've been able to do this for a long, long time. Yeah. Um, Shane, uh, just as you were talking about uh, Bidvest maybe being uh, too expensive for what they're producing, um, when you're looking at uh, high return on equity stocks, how important is it also to look at um, the entry point? So, Zanati, I think that's a good question. So, is it a re high return on equity for the company or is it a high return for the investor? Mm. And sometimes you can get companies that have a very high return on equity 
that the share price is already reflecting expectations of that high return on equity. And in that instance, the outcome for the investor may be a low return. So, um, you know, in general, Roy is absolutely right. Um, return on equity is probably the single most important determinant or measure of how good a company is. Um, but if you're looking for what returns can investors generate, then sometimes you have to buy companies that are kind of beaten up and have a low return on equity, and that will result in a high return outcome for the investor, which is maybe where this question was coming from. Mm. And in that regard, I guess there are two companies that I want to recommend or I want to discuss, rather, uh, should I say, and that is um, multi-choice and pick and pay. Mm. Now, both of these share prices are down over 50% for the year. Both companies um, have delivered quite poor results, in fact, very poor, but from here, you may find for investors they could be very high return opportunities. Um, you know, the multi-choice share price was 150 rand uh, a year ago. Mm. Um, it's now trading at 68. And multi-choice essentially consists of a couple of different businesses. But in our opinion, yeah, you're only paying for the SA Pay TV business. You're getting the rest of Africa, which they were offered a billion rand for a couple of years ago, for free. You're getting Kingmakers, a betting business, uh, which is uh, a sports betting business, pan-African sports betting business. You're getting that for free. You're getting Irdito, which is a security business in Europe, for free. So um, you're getting Showmax, which is a business that they've done with Comcast. You're getting that for free. So, um, you know, sometimes, um, you know, despite delivering a poor outcome, um, people focus, you know, uh, I think excessively on the recent past, which has been bad, and they ignore what could happen in the future. And I think multi-choice could be a good opportunity. Mm. And then the second idea that I have is maybe pick and pay. Yeah. Now, I mean, it, it's incredible to think that 25 years ago, pick and pay was 50% bigger than ShopRite. Okay? Now, ShopRite is 12 times the size of pick and pay. It has been the most extraordinary underperformance of a well-known, well-loved brand. Yeah. And they've recently brought in Sean Summers, who was previously the CEO, to fix the business. And I think he's going to have some hard yards in front of him. But, you know, there could be a good opportunity to fix pick and pay. And, you know, from here, you're almost paying option money. It's, it's a, pick and pay is actually a small company. And um, if Sean can work even, you know, some mild sort of sensible interventions, we think that there's a good outcome there ahead for pick and pay. Ah, all right. Well, uh, quite an interesting question. Of course, we also saw uh, today in uh, some of the big winners, the uh, gold counters uh, today. Gold uh, has outperformed most of the market over the last ten years. What is your panel's view? I'm not sure if this is actually if it's actual gold or the gold uh, miners, Roy, because gold would, would seem to be kind of a at a standstill. Um, yeah. So, so, what do you make of of gold, and I guess particularly the gold miners? So, so gold is a very simple thesis in the sense that um, it's a store value. And the fact that it doesn't generate income means that its performance is supposed to be inversely related to where interest rates are, theoretically. Now, it's underperformed that at this time when interest rates were negative and zero gold should have done really well, but it hasn't. And even more recently, it hasn't reacted to um, the geopolitical issues. But 
in in the last couple of weeks you've seen gold shares moving and the gold price going above 2000 so without a doubt um it started performing the thing about it is it's supposed to be highly uncorrelated so if you add gold to a portfolio of equities or fixed income or throw them all together the your, your actual correlation is low, which means your portfolio volatility declines. So it has a place in, in the portfolio of, of, of most investors. Not necessarily a big place, but it does have a place. Now, gold equities, particularly when you talk about South African gold equities, the whole point there is leverage. So they, they spend in rands and sell in dollars. And you want, when the rand is weakening, um, mm. they mine a whole lot more and then they're able to sell sell well. That's why people buy these stocks, for the leverage and the gold price. You're, you're happy with gold, you get a bit of leverage and you go in. But that hasn't also worked, simply because costs have risen very aggressively. You are producing far less gold than we did previously. So it's, it's, it's become very much a mark's game. I mean, they've really struggled operationally and they haven't got the leverage that people look for. Mm. That, that, I think, is the broad thesis on it um, right now when you have US rates coming down um, gold suddenly gets a little bit of a bid and that's what we're seeing right now weaker mm. dollar you should see gold moving let's see if the paradigm holds this time it hadn't it hadn't hold, held before mm. uh, Shane does gold uh, or gold miners have uh, any place in your portfolio so, Nati, absolutely, uh, you know, um, any share that goes up has a place in our portfolio. <laughs> the problem with gold is that it's very difficult to, to predict. I think, you know, for, for the metal price itself, um, there's been a geopolitical event that has overshadowed a little bit economic events, and that's been the war in the Ukraine. And what happened to Russia when they invaded the, war, when they invaded the Ukraine? Russia had like $500 billion uh, offshore in U.S. bank accounts and in U.S. treasuries. Um, essentially, the United States confiscated that from Russia. So their foreign reserves were taken away from them. Mm. And what this has done is it's made countries that feel that they may at some point get into an antagonistic relationship with the United States decide rather to invest in gold rather than U.S. treasuries. So in some sense, it's changed the, 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 the demand for gold. Now, the thing about gold is 98% of the gold is above ground and mined. You know, uh, a small amount is added by miners every year. So in a sense, the supply of gold is fixed. Yeah. So the moment you have a little bit of extra demand, um, you know, you have an enormous price impact. And we know for a fact that uh, the Russians have been buying gold, the Chinese have been buying gold, the Indians have been buying gold, um, Brazil has been buying gold. So a lot of countries uh, have been adding to their gold reserves. And we now see gold trading pretty close to its all-time high. Hmm. I mean, I think it's uh, trading at 2047 right now dollars. It's closing in on 40,000 rand an ounce. That's close to the all-time high ever, and that obviously is putting a fire under gold shares. Hmm. Um, so, you know, I think our view would be to the extent that it's possible to predict gold and gold shares. It's, it's certainly, you know, not, uh, not that easy. 
Uh, we think, Syria, this isn't a good time to be underweight gold. Okay. We think that there's a secular trend where demand is increasing. Ah, all right. Well, uh, let's go into Zida. Uh, Zida came out with the FY23 results yesterday. Uh, the numbers are looking good and the stock is pretty cheap. Would any of the pandas consider buying and holding on to the stock for the next uh, three years? Of course, we have actually seen quite a, a turnaround in investor sentiment on that stock because it wasn't uh, really something that investors were flocking to when it first listed. But now they seems to be um, uh, have made a turning point. Uh, Roy, what do you make of Zida? Would you be uh, buying and holding for the next three years? So, so just remember, one of the reasons that I think people were well, didn't didn't take a shine to it was when they were unbundled from Barlow, there's lots of people who got the shares who didn't want them okay. in the first place um, because it's a small cap stock without uh, and it's a different profile from what you get in Barlow, which is capital equipment and the like. This one is car rental and consumer. So a lot of those people dumped their stock. Management team was new and unfamiliar to the market. So I think people have had a wait and see approach. The result yesterday was actually quite good. Um, from an operating perspective, you can see the inbound tourism is working for them. Um, fleet leasing is working for them. They're benefiting from this move towards the roads. So they're, they're able to rent cars on long-term leases, not cars, trucks yeah. on long-term leases as well um, b because of all that's happening about the rail. So, so the business model is actually quite a sound one. The thing about this is it's going to always be a capital intensive business because they require gearing to generate returns and to buy these vehicles. But I I think they've had a good start. Um, I think the consumer side may struggle over time, which is the used car side and maybe the car rental. But then the fleet side, which I think is what the jewel, what they consider their jewel, that's, that's got lots of potential. That's got lots of potential. And exactly like, like Shane said, the thing is you're getting in at very, your disappointment risk is low because it's very cheap right now and there's nothing fundamentally wrong with it. So, so mm -hmm. long as you have upside in earnings and you've got a very low valuation entry point, you have hope. The problem is when you buy an expensive share and the earnings turn. Hmm. I mean, talking about capital intensivity, um, because also that leads to debt, and debt has actually been one of the concerns that investors have had. But that seems to also have disappeared. I think also yesterday they mentioned that uh, they made um, a settlement that they uh, they it was two months um, before they were actually supposed to pay. So it seems that they're making some inroads there. Shane, uh, Zida, at this point, uh, buy and hold or not? Uh, Zanati, you know, in order to be a successful equity investor, you haven't got to identify good companies necessarily. You've got to identify companies that other people think are good companies and buy them. And so, you know, the question is, who, who is the universe of people that will buy Zeta? And, you know, if I go back to what I said about the change to Reg 28 mm. and, you know, hundreds of billion of, of selling of the JSE and that money going offshore, what has tended to happen is, SA equity investors have tended to hang on to the very, very good, large-cap, high-quality investments like, say, Bitcorp, mm. which Roy mentioned earlier, and I would agree with him what he said on Bitcorp. Uh, and they've tended to sell all the kind of, let me say, the rats and mice in their portfolio. So I can think of 10, 20, 30 very good quality, small and mid-caps that are trading on PEs under 10. And so, you know, despite Zeta doing well, mm. um, I'm not sure that it sufficiently differentiates itself among a universe of a number of unloved 
Hmm. South African small and mid caps. Ah, right. I hear your point on that front. Um, but there's a question here on process. Uh, what does the panel think of process? And I feel like I'm missing some sins on this company. Can anybody fill me in on what is coming up? Yeah, of course, there are lots of stuff that are always coming out, including the share repurchase program. Uh, I, I think the last thing that came out was the trading update, if I'm not mistaken. But also, yeah, this is a company that I'm also just like... You need to sift through a lot of things. Um, uh, Roy, is there anything uh, important that we uh, you need to fill us in on this company? Yes, there's results in the next couple of days, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, um, that's for sure. But just remember, th those are of no consequence. What's really important here is what's, what what you think about Tencent. Yeah, okay. And if you think Tencent is cheap and has upside, um, and you're a South African investor, you can't invest directly in Tencent, it's NASPERS or process. That's the thing. So, so the thing about it as well, just the narrative around it is new management. They've promised they're going to take the rest of the portfolio into profitability. Um, and, and people want to see that, want to see steps along that way that the rest of the portfolio becomes more profitable and yeah. this buyback continues so i think those are the key touch points but um one thing that's very clear is if if the market sours on 10 cent there's very little you can do with either naspers or with process yeah shane coming mm -hmm. to you there's a, a question for you here um which company do you think sun international is trying to acquire i mean they uh, took out that sense yesterday and there were no details at all do you have any idea <laughs> and, and it's specifically uh, no, for we, you. We, we don't. What I will say is that I think Sun International have done a pretty good job post-COVID. I mean, remember, um, the, the entertainment uh, stocks, and in particular the casino stocks, were very hard hit uh, in the COVID era. And Sun International came through that. And, you know, I think their hospitality business, Sun City, uh, is doing extremely well. Now and the gaming businesses are doing extremely well. And these are... These casinos are very high ROE businesses. Uh, so, you know, I think Sun International is a good story. Um, uh, what I would question is whether they should be buying back their own shares or they should be doing acquisition because I think mm. both Togo Sun and Sun International both look cheap. And I, in my opinion, the best thing they could do is buy back their own shares. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, actually, that's quite an interesting one if they should be doing an acquisition or buying back their own shares. Just a quick one before we get to your stock picks. Um, of course, uh, there's a viewer asking what happened to the Impala price today dropped 8%. Of course, that was after the uh, announcements, uh, announcement of the tragedy that happened at uh, Impala Rustenburg. Uh, and I'm actually mm -hmm. just wondering, uh, Joy, uh, Roy, <laughs> um, what, yeah, what, what are the consequences for Impala at this point? Just remember what happens when you have a tragedy such as this, and that's exactly what it is. I think 11 lives are lost. There's mm. probably 40 people in, in hospital. Um, yeah, when something like this happens, production stops immediately. Mm. They must, the, an, an, a safety inspector must come and a full review of safety must be done across the board. Management has to go out and, and speak to the families and everything. Mm. So you have, you, you will have, uh, you'll have a production stoppage for a period of time. Mm. So that's that. But I think not just for Impala, but across the board, the mining sector in SA, mm. they've done incredibly well. If you look at the chart from 94 on un, until now, fatalities and all of that 
have reduced in almost a straight line. And so they've done a whole lot of good there. But, but this, I haven't heard something mm. as tragic as this in a long time. It's going to shine a light on the costs associated with safety and the protocols around safety. And that's going to refocus the industry back there, especially now where with low commodity prices and low demand for commodities, especially PGMs, um, companies might be persuaded to either cut costs or, mm. or go down or go down a, a less expensive route, save money in some way. So a, a much bigger renewed focus on health and safety um, is definitely what's going to come out of this. That's yeah. the one thing that's for sure. All right, gents, we have run out of time. Ten seconds for mm. your stock picks. I know that's not a lot of time. Uh, Shane, mm -hmm. what will your stock pick be for today? So Zanotti, I would go with pick and pay. As I've said, you know, mm. the business trades at a fraction of the valuation of of ShopRite, and my belief is that Sean Summers, who ran the business very successfully 20 years ago, will ultimately turn this business around into a smaller but more profitable business. Ah, all right. On your side, Roy, your stock pick? Bitcorp. Um, I, I think global global growth is slowing, but in reality, the in the economies in which they operate, eating out is a norm, and there's been a big trend away from buying to cook and eating out these those economies are generally high gdp per capita economies so even when things are struggling people tend not to revert towards the retail it's cheap highly cash generative um, and well diversified across major developed economies ah, all right well it does help that we also spoke about these stocks earlier on as well thank you very much for helping me out with that gents i really appreciate your analysis today that is all for stock watch this evening thanks to our guest roy mutoni from sunlam investments and shane watkins from all weather capital coming up next the close stay with us <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.